Welcome to Beyond Distribution with GTDC. This podcast series explores the trends and events that shape the IT industry. Each guest is a thought leader in the tech community, including executives from some of the world's leading distributors and vendors, esteemed analysts, researchers, and other noted professionals. Podcast host and GTDC CEO, Frank Vitagliano, is joined in this episode by Dave O'Callaghan, founding partner of Vation Ventures. This conversation explores the current state of distribution and global volatility, as well as industry investment trends and the evolution of service delivery models. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Beyond Distribution with GTDC podcast and enjoy the conversation. Take it away, Frank. Welcome for today's uh, GTDC Beyond Distribution podcast. I'd like to welcome uh, my friend, Dave O'Callaghan, the uh, founding partner, one of two founding partners of Vation Ventures. Uh, in addition to that, uh, Dave's a longtime uh, industry executive. Um, and Dave, I know you'll tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit about Vation, but welcome. Happy to have you this afternoon. Frank, it's, it's always a pleasure to see, and I hope that we are educational and entertaining for the crowd today. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you know, your background, Dave. Uh, I certainly know about it, and maybe a little bit about Vation and what uh, Vation does. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Frank. For, first, thanks for just having me and, and get to highlight Vation. Um, the me side, I'll keep short. Uh, you know, coming up on the 40th year in our industry, it's, it's gone by in a blur, as uh, I'm sure everyone in our industry agrees, we move pretty fast. And, uh, you know, things have in our industry changed awfully fast. During that, that time, major stints with Hitachi Data Systems running a direct sales motion with Cisco running um, um, commercial sales at the end of my career there, but prior to that was running distribution where I got to know all the distributor executives really well. And, um, and then some time at VMware where I got to really understand how the embedded channel works and the software world works and how distribution uh, plays with those guys. So, um, you know, it's been a great run. And since uh, January 6th of 2017, uh, Joe O'Callaghan, my son, and I have had this, this company called Vation Ventures that has um, really tried to compress time for everyone in our ecosystem. So our clients include the VCs, it includes their portfolio companies, it includes large OEMs, distributors, resellers, and CIOs. So our whole industry kind of just bringing the ecosystem all together in order to compress time and get to market with innovation much sooner. So we've been having a great time for five years and a couple of months now and, and uh, really happy to serve our industry. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I know you, you guys do a lot of great work. I mean, a couple of points there. One is, you know, your background and my background are pretty similar. Um, yeah. and it, you know, I spent a lot of time on the, on the vendor side also um, and had, you know, a significant role responsible for distributors for, for a while, really with all three of the companies I worked for. Um, and then of course, Vation, uh, GTDC and Vation have had a, a longstanding relationship. And since I've been here, which is now coming up on three years, we've been working, yeah, I know it's amazing. <laughs> uh, we've worked very closely together. Um, and it's been amazing to me because uh, the space that you're in, in addition to you know, your point about compressing time, you spend a lot of time with 
people in the marketplace that are really at the forefront of what's happening, right? The, the, the uh, venture capital community and people that are making major investments. And that's got to be fun. That's got to be really cool. And so tell me a little bit about that and your role and what you like most about that. Yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting uh, perspective. You know, at the very front end of our industry is where the money starts. The money starts with the venture capital community. And, you know, that community was really formed in 1958 because the U.S. government was very concerned about keeping pace with the, with the uh, Russians in space. And the VC community was formed in order to allow private investment that people like you and I could invest through a vehicle like a VC to create innovation. And that started in you know, 1958 and it was focused on, on competing in space with the Russians. And here we are in 2022 and uh, you know, we've got some competition in that space uh, today. So I'm really glad that the VC world, which you know, does hundreds of billions of dollars worth of investments every year in new tech, so they are, they are the generation of the idea. And what Vation does with them simply is, is looks at the portfolio companies of a Sequoia or a Greylock or a Lightspeed or a gentleman I was on the phone with just a little bit earlier from Vertex. And their portfolio companies, whether they be in DevOps or cybersecurity, cyber they need to get to the distributors. They need to get to the resellers and the GSIs and technology partnerships. And so the thing that I find most interesting in this VC oriented world is that they make investments and then they let those companies go operate themselves. The VCs tend not to, to, to try to operate the companies, they tend to invest and step back. Unlike a private equity firm who may invest and operate, a VC invests and lets the company operate. Now, many of those early stage companies, they, they have a hard time getting to the high tech channel. Distribution and the resale world, they have a hard time getting to them, much less customers. So Vation's job is to help that happen, bring that yeah. about. And the, the, uh, the distributors are great clients of ours. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting, Dave, when you think about it, you know, for two guys like us who've been in the space for as long as we have, we just kind of take it for granted as to, you know, the go to market, you know, motions and uh, the various participants in it, particularly in the, you know, the IT space. Um, and then you start to realize you start working with folks like you're working with venture capitals, uh, capitalists and emerging technology companies, and you begin to realize geez, they really don't understand how it works and they don't, it's not natural to them as to go to market. So, you know, you're, you're explaining that. Um, I know you've certainly been a huge advocate for years with, about regarding distribution. Um, and, um, and, and obviously you work with them very closely uh, and explain how distribution works, how it helps them get to market. But from your standpoint now, and you've certainly got a unique vantage point, um, how, how would you describe the current state of distribution, you know, two years off the pandemic and perhaps the beginning of coming back to some sense of normalcy? What's your, what's your sense of, uh, of how distribution sits right now? Yeah, so the, you know, our, our take 
is is pretty straightforward with with you we did distribution 2025 which for your for your crowd i would suggest downloading that white paper that's on gtdc.org about you know where is where is the industry in 2025 we did that about six months prior to the pandemic and um all that has happened during the pandemic has basically accelerated what we predicted for 2025. We predicted that the digital world would be more and more important and that digital distribution and the extension across the planet for SaaS type offerings would be accelerated. And boy, have we seen that with the pandemic, right? It's, it's just everything happened faster uh, in, the, in the purely digital world that the pandemic caused. And now that everyone's coming back, I, I'm seeing a huge trend towards broadening the emerging tech routes to market. And fortunately for distribution during the pandemic, there was a lot of work done with the hyperscalers. There was a lot of work done on their cloud marketplaces. There was a lot of work done to bolster their enablement for emerging tech companies reaching those routes. So I, I think everything we said about 2025 probably going to come true by 2024 or three <laughs> and and yeah. we're gonna to have to write another paper probably but yeah. uh it's it's been a great a great run for distribution during the pandemic because it's it's really created the need for the digital world and then we can talk about supply chain impacts as well yeah well you know it's interesting you know that paper and we talked about it when when we released it um not only did you talk about where things were going and and the pace under which we thought it would happen and obviously you're right it's been accelerated but we also spent a lot of time talking about where distribution had come from absolutely and the fact that there were enormous investments that had been made you know over 20 years 30 years in some cases um in in efficiency in in them being able to you know really do things at scale uh, with operational excellence. And that really played itself up during the pandemic um, because that sure became has. really important. Um, and it was little things in, in a lot of cases, but you know, just the transition overnight to take thousands of people from inside sales and support roles to you know, home office sales and support roles uh, was amazing. Right. And um, and so but you're right. The thing that I think if you go back and read that paper and I appreciate you encouraging folks to do so, um, the thing that will be most, I think, interesting will be how we've accelerated that approach to what we knew all knew was happening. But the pandemic is getting us there a lot faster. So that that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, Frank, you saw it at Juniper or other place where. You know, in, in the 1990s or early 2000s, we were looking for some some reach from our distribution people, maybe to get us to to other continents, other geographies. And during the pandemic, you know, fundamentally, if if you were an early stage company and you wanted to go to South America and you weren't going to get on a plane and go there, you were going to contact a distributor. They were going to reach into their customer base and stand you up as a vendor to South America or any other continent for that matter. Because that, you know, the table stakes that we saw in the 90s and the 2000s during the pandemic 
those table stakes were, were absolute must-haves, right? Because yeah. there was no other way to do it. You couldn't get on a plane and go down there yourself. So I, yeah, the industry has really accelerated nicely, I think, and, and built out a lot of the future stuff that we talked about. Yeah, and you know, what's, what's also different a little bit about sort of the space that we're in and the space that distribution plays in, or, or in general, the channel uh, as it relates to go-to-market is you've got to build that foundational piece. And so it isn't just about all the innovation that's happening. It's about all the innovation that's happening on top of a solid foundational piece that's already built and already in place and has had, you know, decades of investment that, you know, um, had to be made. So interesting. Um, so, you know, I know in a recent conversation, you mentioned just to kind of bring it back up a little bit that there's several you know, sort of macro trends that are happening in the marketplace that um, leaders in the IT industry are, are clearly watching closely. And if they're not, they should be um, because it's really creating, you know, a lot of, I guess, volatility is the word you use. So talk a little bit about that because I thought that was really interesting in some of the items that are included there. Yeah, you know, for, for us, since we've been in the industry a little while, um, yeah. We've seen times of volatility, you know, high, high degrees of change, volatility. And, and through, you know, the 80s, we saw it with inflation. Through the, through the 90s, there were, there were political conflicts around the world with Desert Storm and, and other, other um, battles that were, that were fought that created volatility in the oil markets. Um, you know, in the, in the, in the eighties boy, did we see inflation? I don't know what, when you bought your first house, but what the, what the, what the rate, the mortgage rate was, mine was like 16%. 16 and a half for me. 16 and a half. You, I got a deal. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you were always a little smarter. So that, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think I was there yeah. a week ahead of you, but yeah. the, uh, you know, how do we manage in the high tech world through these periods like 2008 banking crisis? How do we manage through a pandemic? How do, areas of high, high degrees of volatility, things are changing very, very rapidly. You know, if you think back when I worked for, for Cisco, uh, our CEO, John Chambers said that in 2002, I think it was, he was quoted as saying that uh, the highs will be high, the lows will be low, and the times between will be shorter. And boy, has that come true. You know, the, the, the highs and the lows are, are extremely volatile these days. And so, you know, when I bring that back to a distribution conversation, when you have these, these, various, these various things driving volatility, and really they're all in place right now. Political risk is in place with the, with the Ukraine and Eastern Europe. Our money supply, is, has been completely out of control in, from my perspective because it's about 6X, the, low, the money supply, M2. If for, for your group that, that may not have taken economics lately, money supply M2 is basically all the liquid assets in the world that are used for either transacting, buying something, or holding asset classes like a VC holds a portfolio. So you're either buying things or you're, or you're storing money in an asset like a portfolio company. Um, you know, that's never been higher. It's 6X higher than it's ever been, that money supply. So that money supply is going to find its, its water level. It always does. Now, over the past 
few weeks, the trend on M2 has finally started to, looks like it's capped. Now there's always a downside. There's always a symmetrical side. So how do we manage in a time when the money supply is gonna get tighter? Where the Fed has already said that there are going to be interest rate bumps to the, to the um, banking rate. So how do we manage through that? If you think back through all these things, the political risk, the money supply, inflation, I don't know what you saw for a gallon of gas, but I bought some this morning. It was almost five bucks here in Arizona. So it's, it's, that's gonna eat into it. So how do we use distribution on that? And love to hear your thoughts on this as well. But when I think about it, you know, with, with money supply creates credit risk and it creates FX. So does the vendor really wanna manage all their own credit risk or do they wanna take a company like a distributor that is very good at that and allow them to, to extend the credit uh, capacity throughout the world? Do they want to try to set up all their own buy sell entities and manage FX currency exchange or do they want to utilize a distributor who's very good at that? Right, so those types of volatility pieces around the money supply are really important. And also around just the supply chain. They've got open supply chain capabilities, you know, to 180 countries in the world. Do you wanna to try to set up your own supply chain or do you wanna leverage distribution? And so those are the kind of that old school stuff that you were talking about that in times of volatility, you can either try to build it yourself, which would be highly risky, or you can leverage a company like a global distributor that's already done it. Yeah, yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I you well, and again, going back to the pandemic, you saw it there for sure. Um, and the other thing that I think gets a little bit um, undervalued is the long-standing relationships that the distributors have built with the vendor community. Mm -hmm. Right, those partnerships have been in place for years and they talk to each other all the time and that was a big part of what got us through the initial phases of the of the um of the pandemic and of course you know subsequent to that or since then we've had supply chain issues but for different reasons right mm -hmm. and and they were caused for different reasons but you know the volatility you mentioned is really critical and what's important is I think what, what, what strikes me, and, and if I put my vendor cap on, you know, which I usually try to do when I'm thinking about working with distributors, and I also, as you know, Dave, I had a couple of years as a solution provider, so I also, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. was their customer, is um, in the times of volatility, you want somebody that's well-financed um, and, and stable, uh, who can be resilient and consistent. And those are the things that really matter. And those partnerships that have been developed over that period of time help you weather the ups and the downs that, you know, John talked about, right? Because yeah. you're going to see them, right? And yeah. frankly, we're in, a, we're in a period like that right now. It's, you know, it is, uh, it's concerning with all the things that are going on, you know, from a political standpoint, the inflation that we're seeing, um, it really is. But I think um, the second piece that I th do think is important is distribution has been making investments 
also over the last couple of years. And I think those investments are now beginning to pay off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, you mentioned marketplaces, really critical. Um, mm-hmm. And they're partnering with the hyperscalers in many cases to do that, right? And I know you've seen that. That's really important. Um, and I also think that the way customers are going to procure product in the future is changing. And, I'm, and I know you're seeing that with subscription models and consumption models and everything as a service. And that totally changes the game in terms of, you know, how, how product will flow. How do you think that changes the role of the distributors going forward? Because it, you know, it feels like it's going to be less about, you know, being a bank in a warehouse and more about other services. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, it's, it's, I think you're spot on. It's every, every CIO in our network has pretty much downsized their staff and they're buying things as a service for the business outcome. So the, so the, the business unit of the, co- of the enterprise company is looking for a business outcome. They go to the, the CIO who says, let me, let me source the full outcome. So they may bring in a Deloitte or a McKinsey or someone to, or us to study how to deliver that business outcome. Now behind that business outcome comes a bundle of technology. And if you think back, you know, to, to when it was pick, pack and ship switches and routers and servers and stuff, those, those were individual line items that then the CIO staff would put together on site. That's done. Right now, now what's happening is that business outcome is being delivered in a, in a package of software, hardware, professional services by the partner, all of those types of things. And where the distributor is centered now is that yes, they still could do a warehouse of the things, but what they, what they've become very good at is creating the, the business outcome package. So when that CIO says, I need, you know, I need Anaplan enterprise-wide planning that will then drive my sales force to a higher level of performance. That's gonna happen with the distributor as the center point of the, of the supply chain for all the pieces of that, that, that will get the mobility to the sales force, that will get the internet connectivity from maybe a network as a service company as opposed to someone selling routers and switches, who knows, to the infrastructure underlying it from AWS or Microsoft Azure or GCP. All of those pieces are now partnerships that the distributor has. And it'll be that whole group of things will be rationalized by the distributors and they've done the work to, to be ready to be that center point. Yeah, yeah. You know, you coined the term, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, probably even longer, uh, orchestration. Um, and that is clearly playing out. And it seems to me it's playing out in an interesting way in that there's more orchestration. In the past, it used to be all around, all about being around the box. And now it's not so much. And the services that are being created are not just tied to the box. They're you know sort of around it. But they're they're way more interesting, and it it really to me seems a lot like when we watch cloud 
emerge, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, you knew it was coming six, seven years ago, you knew it was coming, but you didn't quite know how it was going to play out. And you didn't, weren't quite sure how it was going to get monetized and mm -hmm. how it was, you know, what the go to market was going to look like. And I sense that we're in that same phase right now where a lot of that is kind of happening and investments are being made. And in three or four years from now, it'll be sort of, we'll talk about it like we talk about cloud. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. You, you know, it's, it's so interesting if you follow the money on that conversation as, as you do, but if you follow the money, all of the VCs are, are lining up to do DevOps companies and cybersecurity companies and everything is cloud-based. Everything is subscription-based. So I'm not telling anybody anything they didn't know already. So Captain Obvious, that's where all the money's going. Now, what's the ramification of that is all of these companies are software companies that have EBITDA of 85, I'm sorry, gross margin of 85% off of their top line. They can't do services. They can't do professional and consulting services. They can't do integration services or they would dilute their gross margin. Right. So historically, you know, if you were if you were a hardware company, services may have been accretive to your hardware sales and therefore you'd want to do them. Now it's dilutive to your software sales and your reoccurring revenue sales. And none of them, the VCs don't want any of their companies participating in their own professional consultative integration services. So how, you know, the distributors have invested heavily in that space to be able to enable their resellers, their SIs, to be able to provide those services because the, now they're gonna pick up 40 points on that side of the ledger, on the services side. Yep. that that the manufacturers don't want anything to do with at this point. Yeah, I don't think there's any surprise um, when you see what's happened uh, for in, over the last couple of years with the, not only the demand for, um, you know, investments in distributors, but in the valuations. And, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, two very significant, you know, private equity companies actually you know, by distributors. And obviously you've seen one sell it. And then, you know, the, mm -hmm. the combined, you know, TD Cinex relationship to create, you know, a massive uh, $60 billion player. Um, the, there's a lot of people in the industry, smart money people, folks that, you know, you talk to all the time that have recognized value there. And it goes back to exactly what you're talking about as to where is it going and who's in position to be able to uh, participate and actually add value. And um, that became pretty obvious in the last year or two when we, with all, and, and even companies, you know, going public, a couple of the, you know, distributors in Europe have recently gone public and have, have done very, very well. So mm -hmm. we're seeing it. Yeah. Well, it's obvious, you know, Dave, <laughs> we've seen a lot over the years, right? There's been lots of transition, lots of volatility, um, how do you envision, you know, going forward now, um, the vendor distributor relationship, how do you see that evolving over the next couple of years? And, and as importantly, how do you see their customers, you know, benefiting from that, the solution providers? 
Yeah, I think, well, I think the benefit starts with, you remember there's money at the front end of our industry with the VCs. The only other money real and really in the industry is with the customer. So it's, that's where the money comes from. <clears throat> and I think the customer is demanding from the solution provider to also now be an MSP. The, the customer's demanding from the solution provider MSP to be able to do the professional and consultative services. So moving that upstream, <clears throat> the demand on distribution is now to be able to support a cloud marketplace, to be able to support you know, the, the integration services of the major bundles that will drive the business outcomes. Be able to do that around the world as supply chains are tight to be able to finance it and create the FX that they need around the world. So the full bundle, not just the technical application bundle, but standing behind that, the full go-to-market piece that needs to happen so that the, the early stage company or the re-emerging OEM is able to, to work with their distributor, create that complete package and provide it to that solution provider that has become an MSP, that has become a cloud practice capable MSP, and maybe even into the DevOps and everything that the end user is needing. So distribution as that center point can help all those parties compress time. They can orchestrate that entire environment. They can find, you know, when that MSP says, geez, my customer's asking me for endpoint security. I don't know how to spell that quite yet, yep. right? And, or DDR, it's like how to, they can be that orchestrator that says, don't worry, I have Woot Cloud. I'll enable you on Woot Cloud and deliver that for you. So that I, I think, you know, and especially in times of volatility for the solution provider and the OEM emerging tech to be tightening its partnerships with distributors, tighten those partnerships in times of, volatility because you know the, the best partners are the ones that are gonna succeed through this period of volatility and the next. Yeah, you know, that's so true. Um, I saw that in the couple of years I was in the solution provider space, um, I relied all the time on distribution for non-traditional services to help me make an investment. For example, and back then it was, it was IOT, you know, or it was, a little bit of DevOps, uh, because the last thing you want to do when your customer asks you for it is allow somebody else to come in. <laughs> That's so, right. <laughs> so, so the answer is we can do it. We can and do then it. And you run over to your distributor and say, can you help me? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and the good news was you were running to somebody who you trusted and you had a long-term relationship with, and you knew that it was the, you know, the, the only thing you could do. Um, and I, and I, to me, I think that's so critical and won't ever change. And so, you know, I know it's very fundamental, but um, I see it all the time and I still hear it. So we had a vendor advisory council with uh, North America two weeks ago and with our EMEA uh, vendor back members uh, yesterday. And um, they are still more reliant than ever and trying to push more business into distribution and, and two or three of them were talking about trying to stop, you know, direct to bar. And because some of what you mentioned earlier, the risks of, you know, holding the AR and managing it, the capital, et cetera. So, 
you know, Dave, you and I could talk about these topics forever, right? And, and, and just, enjoy it. Yeah. And enjoy it, <laughs> which is kind of maybe sad because we're thinking about doing something else. <laughs> uh, but it's fun. Um, so closing thoughts, anything, uh, what would you, what would you leave, you know, this crowd with in terms of what, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts going forward? Yeah. You know, right, right now, my, my head for my company is, is around the volatility that, that is in the world. And, you know, another one of those famous quotes from Mr. Chambers was never, never miss a good, a good crisis, right? Because your customers need you, your partners need you. So it's, it's that tightening of partnerships at Bation. We're, we're trying to tighten every partnership that we have. Um, the second piece that, that volatility has always brought, that's a, kind of a closing thought for me is, you know, if you think back in time, when there was volatility, the McKinsey's or the, the consultative firms were doing business process re-engineering. I'm, I'm calling it different today because it's more like business process reimagining because today actually the you know back in the day of BPR it <laughs> you'll remember it was like leather bound books that were completely unexecutable because the the software wasn't there the it just couldn't be done but now automation is everywhere and so the reimagining of business process now is the time if you're a distributor how do you reimagine your business process if you're a solution provider how do you build those practices so that you're talking to customers about reimagining and using the distributor to orchestrate it. And then at all times and times of volatility, it's about execution, yep. right? Drive execution every day because the world is changing very, very fast. And if you get behind that curve, you'll never catch up. Well, I, I appreciate you, uh, you doing this and uh, I enjoy it too. And the one thing I can tell you is from a partnership standpoint, GTDC Innovation will stay very tight, and I'm looking here, forward here. to continuing to work with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Thanks to everybody. Thank you.